See you once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. And Mike, we're doing something very important and very special regarding the Game of Thrones finale today. Well, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, Mike. So this this is our option, our mm-hmm. one option. We are going to do a completely mm. non-spoiler preview of the final episode of Game of Thrones. You ready? Let's go. Uh, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> and that is our completely non-spoiler preview of the final episode of Game of Thrones. A little tongue-in-cheek, but it's serious as well. The last couple weeks, we've come, we brought MMOW to you on Tuesdays to recap Game of Thrones. We're back on a Monday this week, because if you've joined us for our live stream, live stream for the Cure, you notice Mike already covered this, but life is getting in the way for us. We're not going to be able to record on Monday, so we're going to be doing MMO Weekly, covering all the Hollywood stuff today. Mm-hmm. We will be covering Game of Thrones and probably what will be a data episode, since we haven't Bring done it one back. of those in a while. Uh, that'll be coming out uh, Tuesday, I think, is what we're planning is? Yeah, maybe Tuesday night. We're recording yeah. it Tuesday. Right. That sounds solid. That's what we talked about, we right? Think, but it, <laughs> again, if, if the thunderstorms come and my stuff gets rained out on Monday... Maybe it comes out a little earlier than Tuesday. Little but early. yeah, that's uh, so that's our plan going forward. But for So this will be Game of Thrones free for the most part. We're going to comment probably along the way. But we know that's the biggest thing going in your world as of last night, since you're probably listening to this on a Monday and uh, not a Sunday. Uh, but we will be commenting about all the other stuff and news and going on in Hollywood, in the movie world. And we're going to start like we usually do. It's been a couple weeks, but we're going to do what we're watching off the top, not Game of Thrones related. So, Michael, if you would. We got to catch up on all the stuff last week. This is what we're watching. Thank you. Go ahead. What, do you, what have we been uh, missing out on last week? Well, here's week? some new stuff first. Uh, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. I saw this in a theater that just went nuts. It was, oh, so, yeah? much, it was so much fun <laughs> to have a packed house just going crazy for this movie. So that was really cool. Mike, there are three of the most unique, kick-ass, surprising fight scenes that I have ever witnessed cool. in a film. And that's worth the price of admission right there. B plus minimum grade right there. Wow. Because of those three scenes. Now, it is utterly preposterous. The dialogue is terrible. Sometimes they lean into the bad dialogue, which is fun. That's good. And they have great actors delivering these lines. Good. Which is Angelica Houston. You got I didn't know she was in it. Yeah. Ian McShane. You got all these. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. You got all these terrific actors handling this action movie dialogue. <laughs> but it, it still works. You saw the first two. I saw the first two. This is the best of the three. Where do you rank this? This is nonstop action. Yeah. This is basically nonstop action until they have some dialogue. But it, it go, it's a mile a minute, and it's a lot of fun. It really starts off. It's just like 40 minutes of action just to start. <laughs> That's One, good. And it's, just, it's all about the fight scenes. What I loved about this movie is they really argue away the gun foo, or they give you reasons why. It's one of your biggest criticisms. Yeah. The gun foo is a little... Absurd, yeah. right? Because they're not using guns properly, but they give you reasons for gun foo in almost every sequence of this movie, Good. which I really enjoy. Explain away the objection, like we always talk about. Great, it, great so. done. I'm a big fan. I, I really like the movie. I recommend it. 
I did see Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> As the, uh, your tone in your voice takes a turn for the more serene. Yeah, full disclosure, I, I just don't get Pokemon. I, I was a little too old. You for, missed it by a couple years. I missed it by a couple years. I think I was trying to be a tough guy back in when, right. and it was like something my little brothers liked, so I just too hardened cool. my heart. Yeah. I hardened my heart against it, so there's a bias here. And watching this film, we thought we were going to review it, and we're, we're sad that that fell through. We mm. had guests lined up. We're sorry about that. Mike, the lethal weapon quote kept coming through my head. And, and the way Danny Glover says it, I'm too old for this shit. It's a terrible impression. But basically, Danny Glover, the way he says it, that was me and Detective Pikachu. I also have a lot of questions. Are Pokemon animals, I've asked this question before, are they pets? Does making them fight one another, isn't that like dog fighting, cock fighting? <laughs> isn't that a crime against, uh, you know, earth, nature, humanity, anim- the animal kingdom? Why do Pokemon team up with humans? Like, what do humans do for none, the Pokemon? None of this was explained in the movie? It's not, it doesn't work for me. Oh, and all, right. all those questions go through my head during this, this film. Like, I think it's just them contriving this whole world so that they can have all these cool little animals and all these pokemon battles did it at least look good enough to i mean because that's the big the big push is that people have been waiting you know 30 years to see these pokemon adapted to a real life screen in real life situations pokemon versus pokemon look great because it's cartoon versus cartoon right pokemon versus human or pokemon attacking humans i'm like okay whatever no didn't do it for you doesn't work for me Uh, that's sad that's sad it really you know watching john wick afterwards and the fight scene choreography (laughs) in that movie and having these cartoons chase after you know the girl from three billboards bit of a dichotomy yeah there's no comparison but visually it's fun it's colorful it's energetic you know, it's nice and fun to see all the Pokemon. I, I don't disagree with it. I think mm-hmm. that's, like, part of the good. It's like, oh, there's that Pokemon. Right. Oh, there's this I'm one. I'm sure, yeah. You know, and you, can, you have all these Easter eggs. So if you like that, then you'll you'll love this. But I just don't get it. And, I, I look, I guess three of the big plot developments, like, right off the bat. So I was very bored at this See, movie. I can't imagine it's the type of movie that's trying to hide, like, shock twists in the story, at least, you know? Because it is more for kids, isn't it? It is, though, Mike. So... <laughs> I can't, you know, I don't know that the story is what would sell you to get in the theater anyway. Uh, it is, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, and I, I saw it, it just telegraphed, and I'm right. just, you know, I don't know. You're I'm too a, experienced. I'm too experienced. Yeah. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Sorry. So I, one I, up and I, one down. I apologize. I watched uh, See You Yesterday on Netflix. This is the new movie this week about the time machine. Another problem with a protagonist, and... Not a great performance either, but we, a will for protagonist is just absolutely vital to every story, right? Sure. This protagonist is, acts like a petulant child for most of the movie, doesn't win us over enough, and that, that is a major yeah, a problem. problem. Yeah. So I'm spending time with this character just aggravated and vexed by her, and it's it's a problem. And she's just saying no to every other character who voices opposition to to her throughout and like she keeps going back in time all right that's the premise and then she goes back in time and then she just gets in people's faces and she has no powers of persuasion and it's just so frustrating and the movie ends on a frustrating note and it's dealing with this heavy heavy subject matter and you're just you're so upset about the police brutality about all these things it's not the tone i would have figured i mean it's a nightmare what they're dealing with and it's real shit and to me, it just didn't work. I saw a 
you know, on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't understand it's that. It's got weird reviews. Stefan Bristol is the writer. He has one of the screenwriting credits and the director. He was on the crew of Black Klansman. I guess he also adapted a CU Yesterday movie in 2017 as opposed to this one that came out in 2019 on Netflix. But TVMA, a 4.8 right now on IMDb, but a 74 Metascore. Yeah. So, like you said, you saw 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's kind of all over the place and as the far as the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is way down. Way down. Yeah, that's weird. Down. So people aren't liking it. So it makes sense to me because... But you as a critic, you weren't you weren't even a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it as a critic. Now, you see the potential. Like, this filmmaker has some awesome shots. I mean, the cinematography's fun. Like, he's really playing with some big themes, and he's going... I mean, a lot of these scenes, like, early on... As a drama, it's starting to work for me. I like a lot of the characters, but it's another problem where you like all of the other characters rather than the protagonist. Mm. And that's, you know, like the first draft of Toy Story with Woody being a abrasive right. character. That's what you got here. And I, I work with kids this age, and they're not all like this. They don't have to do the cliche of the quote-unquote quote, quote, teenage kid yeah. who's just always arguing. Playing the stereotypes. And, yeah, yeah. That, that, that didn't work. That was tough. Like I saw Burning. So how do you go about casually watching the foreign films? So I shut the laptop off. Yeah, you have to be invested to, in this. You had to, I just literally, I was exhausted after a long-ass day of work and podcasts and coaching and all that. Exhausted. This is one of those things where I just said, I don't know, probably around 8 o'clock at one at night two weeks ago, I'm just going to sit down and absorb myself and, and watch this. Highs and lows, I, I have some major issues with the build. And this is not a criticism I've ever ever thought I'd have to make, Mike. <laughs> Maybe like two fewer jerk off scenes, please. We have become the king of the hand job critique in cinema on this podcast with the the old Meryl Streep movie from back in the day we did. We had a couple other ones. We we've it's been a running gag throughout our existence. Nick Haskins from the Epic Film Guys. I'm not gonna do a Nick impression. I wanted to. <laughs> but it's some things bother him to the point where all right, the movie's the movie's dead to me. Right. And this movie has multiple jerk off scenes <laughs> just multiple well, and i just why why do we need that i just thought of the, like the oh hello guys from the crow show where he's talking you need to read my unpublished unwritten novel called rifkin's dilemma about a young boy who jerks off all day and i describe it <laughs> that's a quote from terrible the show. just brutal and that's me thinking about burning now once the mystery ramps up Loved it. Yeah. Like, I love everything about it. It just once totally... Once let go of the dick. <laughs> once he stops... Get that hand off that Smack dot. it away. Once he stops doing that kind of stuff, and he actually starts <laughs> sleuthing, he starts to sleuth, now we got something. The age-old question, do I investigate the mystery, or do I just say, fuck it, and grab myself? <laughs> and once the mystery gets working, I loved it, and it's very satisfying, and it's not the movie I expected, but it's an excellent watch sans a few scenes. All right, so you've had a couple ups and downs here. <laughs> Pixar story is great. That's a It's a puff piece, but it's all about the uh, origins of the Pixar company. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Wine Country, we mentioned in the last mm -hmm. episode. 20 big laughs for me. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. Super corny, but I, all is forgiven. And the last thing I want to say is great sports last yeah. couple weeks. May always seems to deliver. Did you end up, you were saying you were going to watch the Deontay Wilder I one. did stay up. Yeah. I was surprised. Was like quick. The, the undercard got me into it. Like, I was all ready to go. I was tucked in. Yeah. I was ready to go to bed. I was exhausted. I watched the undercard fight, and it was, it was a crazy fight. And then Wilder, once his theatrics with his costume. He did have a great costume. I only saw the highlights, but yeah. He uh, it comes boss. out with that costume, so I had to watch it. And quick I couldn't, work. I couldn't remember the guy's name. I was like, Bajish. <laughs> 
yeah. something like you, you're like bordering on calling him the the guy running for president pete Buttigieg. <laughs> it's like i don't think that's it i don't think it's it but i know it's the closest i'm gonna think of right now after we recorded our live stream because you're asking me what i was doing and deontay wilder just at the end of that first round that's as hard as i've ever seen anybody punch somebody he's a monster he's a monster My and goodness. boxing is desperately in need of a superstar right now so hopefully he can keep on this he's train rolling he's a star and I, we got to see him in fury and we got to see yeah. him and joshua come up next love the uh, ufc fight last week by the way too nama junis andrade that one got well, a lot of rave reviews i didn't great, see it what but, a great fight yeah. i mean she, uh, nama junis she was a great striker and then andrade obviously once she got a hold of her it was it was just insane so the, you know i'm not a huge fight guy but when when you got some big get names, I mean when it, I mean they're great sportsmanship involved too, especially with Nama Junis. Yeah, you like to see that. Really like to see it. So it's definitely a sport. Kawhi Leonard's game winner, obviously that for was, the NBA playoffs. Yeah, that's stupid. That uh, hit the rim eighteen fucking times before it went in. So you watched Game of Thrones later, like I did. You... Uh, no, I didn't see. I did. I watched Game of Thrones. I really? didn't watch the game at all. I'm and a I Game just... of Thrones a yeah. and I yeah. delayed Game of Thrones did, with yeah. a full house, a full <laughs> living room of people. Well, I think you made the wise decision, to be honest, because that was. I mean, uh, my phone blew up with all the notifications, and when you saw it, I, I went right to Twitter, yeah. and a billion counts had it. I, I mean, that's stupid. The Crazy. way that's that's a movie. The way that thing bounced around all those times before going in. It's a great finale. And winning the you the thought series. he was going to be the goat too. Yeah. of that. But now, now it looks like a collision course between Warriors and Bucks. But yeah, oh, good. Giannis is not human. I won't do C by skip with you because we're covering way too much. But what yeah. about the best thing you saw this week? What was it? Best thing I saw was John Wick Chapter Three. Really? I that think. high on it? Yeah, okay. It's just the best scenes. You know, it, it has flaws, major flaws. It's not trying to be an Oscar-winning movie, though, right? Yeah. I mean, unless there's no. stunt choreography goes into the Oscars at some point, we hope. But it's trying to be a great kick-ass action movie. It doesn't give an F about the, some of the dialogue. It kind of <laughs> leans into some awesomely bad Good. dialogue, so it works. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, I, I've had more TV on my uh, agenda the last two weeks than I did movies, but HBO's been on fire lately, whether you're into Thrones or not. That Sunday lineup is just killer i mean with last week tonight veep especially barry i've got i've talked about barry before here I but i think it's the best show this. on television yeah i have to watch I, the writing the performances they have this arc right now where they were deal barry was dealing with this young girl who's the daughter of someone he had to like go off and she is like this monster of jujitsu and, and just and rage yeah <laughs> And it's a ridiculous arc, but they make it comedic. Last week's episode was left on a massive cliffhanger, so I'm looking more forward to Barry tonight for its season finale than I am Thrones, which I know means nothing because I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, but that's just how I'm looking Opinions at it. Opinions like that make me cross my arms. <laughs> you need to watch Barry. All right. I, you need I, to watch Barry. You right. you would definitely find some value in it. And I just haven't restarted Veep yet. I've watched all the Veep up to this season. I just haven't started it yet. You know, Veep... I liked. I, it's gotten a lot of criticism this year, but it's just an impossible job writing that show, especially for this final season, because the whole crux of the Selena Myers character and her absurdity was in how we all assumed politicians were behind the scenes anyway, right? How they're all fame hungry. They don't really give a shit about people. They just yeah. want to stay in power. The comedy works because it's a joke we were all in on. And they weren't allowed to show that, right? As mm -hmm. far as politicians, actual politicians go. But then you look at the last two years with this Trump administration and how over the top they've been in that regard and how blatantly they disregard rules of decorum and what we traditionally think a politician should act like. It's got to have made the job of writing that show infinitely more difficult. Mm. Because how can you create a fictional president candidate that's more power hungry less interested in people and more self-obsessed than the man currently sitting in office 
Yeah, and say then, what you want about Trump. I mean, he is a character. He is a... Exactly. Yeah, so, but, and, and you yeah. see what those attributes do in real life and the real life consequences you have. Now you have to write over the top of that for this Selena Myers character, which is an impossible job, and make it funny, which is impossible. So yeah, they were really up against it this year. I think they handled it as well as possibly could have been expected. Mm-hmm. But one of these situations of real life just making writing for TV impossible does it make you laugh though that's the bottom line what do i that's what i yeah love this i mean show. there's there's goods in it i would say it's probably the weakest season of veep that really? i've seen yeah which is a shame it still worked for me okay but it's just it's so hard because they don't you know never in the in veep's life have they done direct parallels with it bordered on snl at times really like it seemed like they were kind making caricatures of real life people very obvious comparisons to real life people which they had never really done before at least mm-hmm. not that directly and there i mean there's one major role who's obviously the Kellyanne Conway character there's mm-hmm. one major player who's obviously Rudy Giuliani you know it's just it that kind of sucks but again how do you write this show with what's going on in the real world anymore so i, I think it's just one of those unfortunate uh, coincidences no new movies for me, not at least that much I can comment on, but if you listen to our live stream, we did live stream for The Cure. Uh, Mike talked about that with the Epic Film guys there. We were on live Saturday night. Uh, they raised over $7,500. Already? We're, we're yeah. recording this at 1 p.m. on Sunday. They already hit that mark, which was their goal. So that's they did a phenomenal job raising money for cancer research. Obviously, please you know continue to donate yeah. towards cancer research, whether you do it with them or the Cancer Institute there, Cancer Research Institute, rather. So uh, I think they'll have an option where you can donate still but definitely please you know it's a great cause yeah uh and just so the two movies i did watch wine country and diane you commented on wine country i talked about diane during the live stream i didn't really get into the nitty-gritty of it so just to comment on it a little bit here yeah. mary Kay place is not someone i was overly familiar with she's the main protagonist here but she wears the strains of what it must be like to be that superwoman character in america on her face in every scene she's obviously someone that related to the material she's obviously someone that actually has these uh, characteristics and attributes in her real life Mm -hmm. the diane character is written as one of those do-it-all woman who puts everyone first and someone who constantly shrouds themselves in shame for not being able to help everybody Mm -hmm. that kind of bleeding heart manifesto type person that we all relate to and find a little absurd to be honest my mother's the same way she would go you know she'd break her arm before she didn't help everyone she could possibly help sure which is you know over the top but that's exactly the type of person this diane character love is. your mom she's the best <laughs> so fascinating look it's a really interesting movie it's slow it's not like chock full of goods and mile okay. a minute dialogue so uh, you know i wouldn't expect that but if you're looking for a decent movie decent 90 minutes to, to go past and make really make you think about what you have in your life i think it's a it's a good look yeah that's on vod right now yeah. eight bucks yeah i think i'm gonna get after that this week myself and you love wine country we i did love, love wine country we enjoyed yeah. that, so. and uh the best thing i saw this week was the nba draft lottery because i hate the celtics <laughs> and uh it brought you shame and despair <sighs> and that made me happy <laughs> oh my god i want to do like 10 podcasts on this to pick your brain on how you think the machinations of it's all uh, you know, of all the trade talk and all, all this is a big work. off season for the NBA. If you're an huge. NBA fan out there, this is a I just, huge off season. I just still don't understand how a dumpster fire like the Knicks, after they bottom out, how then they're going to attract the you know the greatest free agents on the market, the second best player in the league, if not the first, plus another guy, plus trade for the you know the best talent in the league. Look, perhaps. never mind that you guys that the Knicks didn't win the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. It, more importantly, is that. The one team you couldn't afford to win the lottery won the lottery from like the thirteenth. Yeah, like I think it was. I think it was ninth. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> and then the team that the Knicks are going to try and trade against, the Lakers, who could sign yep. Kawhi mm-hmm. and then trade for Anthony Davis, they got the fourth pick, which increases their trade value, you know, pack of assets or whatever you want to call it. Mike, I, I don't mean to be this this sinister and this evil, but when I saw the Knicks logo pulled from the third envelope, I laughed the purest heartiest laugh I have ever laughed Because you were thinking <laughs> like the other two teams have tiniest smidgens of a chance to win, right? And the Knicks have a 14% chance. When you told me Grizzly, because you're texting me, I'm sitting with a high school Yeah, you didn't even watch it. That's waiting true, yeah. for his parents to pick him up after we got home from a bus ride. And I'm like, please text me. Number one, you're blowing up my phone all <laughs> with nonsense. Day. Just my <laughs> phone is buzzing in my pocket. I literally had to shut off notifications because my phone was draining and I needed to do all this stuff on the phone like with the, our scorebook and our spreadsheets, and you're just constantly, constantly, all day. And then I text you at the one moment where I'm sitting and I have no other way. ESPN.com is not updating fast enough, and you refuse to text me, and I just vitriol went at you. And that, that was why. I wanted to explain myself a little bit. And, but, yeah, that's our friendship. It, was, it wasn't even against you and your brother and your family and all that. It's just the lifelong being a Celtics fan and just hating the Knicks and just, just reveling in their misery. Because I don't have a lot of misery to revel in anymore. I'm a Giants fan. We're the laughing stock of the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yankees have been all right recently, but they can't stay healthy to save their own lives. So it's all the only sports misery I have anymore to comfort myself is the Knicks fandom. I hope your Celtics <laughs> lose them all. I hate the Celtics. I hope they trade for Anthony Davis and they all leave. I I, I don't even want them to get involved in the bidding, to be honest uh. with you. But, uh, yeah, all right. That's what we've been watching the last two weeks. A little pent-up aggression. <laughs> Went a little long there. Again, Game of Thrones. We'll be covering that. Tuesday, that episode will come out in its own standalone yes. fashion. So look forward to that. Let's talk about some audience interaction stuff we did. And we'll start with our unique Six Degrees of MMO comparison this week. This was fun. This was Eddie the dog. This was Moose. The do- real dog's name was Moose. <laughs> oh, I didn't know but that. Eddie the dog from Frasier to Keanu Reeves, obviously, from John Wick Chapter 3. I thought this one would be tough, So Mike, did I. <laughs> but so many people did it in, like, a few. Yeah. And it's amazing. So we're going to rip off a bunch right now. Got a ton of submissions this week, so apologies if we can't get to yours. We had to just barf out all our opinions about <laughs> movies we're watching. Sorry. Ben Miller, at Nebus Ben, Hall of Famer, said Keanu was in my own private Idaho with River Phoenix, who was in Sneakers, with Mary McDonald, who was in the show High Society, with Moose the Dog, who played Eddie on Frasier. Mike, I think I just walked through an aisle of Blockbuster. <laughs> That's amazing that he was able to pick up, not even that Eddie was on Frasier. <laughs> that dog in a different production, which a couple people did, which is amazing. My own private Idaho was a favorite of one of my friends back in the school and loved River Phoenix. My goodness. <laughs> Yasna. Memories. Yasna back again at Y-C-A-V-I-E-R-E-S. Uh, this Six Degrees of MMO is just to honor Reality Bites' 25th anniversary. They say Keanu Reeves is in Destination Wedding in 2018 with Winona Ryder, who was in Reality Bites from 94, with John Mahoney, who was in Frasier, with Moose, a.k.a. Eddie. Again, very quick. Oh, John Mahoney. <laughs> Gone too soon. J-R at Jim B-O-C-C-P-A-S-F-186 says the dog in Frasier was with Chelsea Grammer. Chelsea Grammer was in Cheers with Woody Harrelson. Woody was in a Scanner Darkly with yeah. Keanu. Now, I just did a Frasier rewatch last season. We know this is a guilty pleasure of mine. Yes. This is why we were so quick to jump on the dog <laughs> for Frasier. And Woody was in an episode of Frasier, so he could have gone a little one quick. Oh, really? Too. 
Yeah, what was he, he was playing his old Cheers character? Yeah, he visited. Uh, oh no, Frazier in Seattle is one of the later episodes. It's kind of awkward. It wasn't yeah. a great episode because they would have been years removed from playing that role on Cheers Definitely. by the time that came around. That's Definitely. pretty cool. But, yeah, good job. And uh, I did it one faster. <laughs> Mark Burgundy at the one Hanson frequent flyer here. Keanu was in Speed with Sandra Bullock, who was in Speed Two with Willem Dafoe, of course himself in Shadow of the Vampire. About a filming of Nosferatu, which is getting a new version starring Doug Jones, who was in Rocky and Bullwinkle who is a moose which is the real name of eddie the dog <laughs> i like that oh, very great. clever i didn't read that last bit that's terrific that's terrific that might have a new contendership now and he won last week mark burgundy all right let's see if i can undercut this next one like i did the last one like a jerk that i am talk zone radio at talk zone radio says keanu reeves was in young blood with at rob Lowe, who was in wayne's world with at ioni sky yeah. who was in say anything with john Mahoney, who was on Frasier with Eddie the Dog. Mike, these are like favorite people, major movies in my youth. I would have never guessed that John Mahoney would have been the most frequently cited link in this Six Degrees once we came up with Keanu Reeves to Eddie the Dog. Yeah, well, he's the the owner of Eddie the Dog. (laughs) Uh, So I'm watching the show at So I'm Watching. Keanu is in Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson, who's in A Few Good Men with, drumroll please, Kevin Bacon, uh, who's in My Dog Skip with Moose, a.k.a. Eddie the Dog. That dog, his resume must be just, it's gotta put some people, some actors in Hollywood to shame right now. To shame. Like, aspiring actors who are not getting enough work are very upset right now. Like, the (laughs) Dustin Hoffman from Tootsie is just, like, just in a rage. But they, you know, so I'm watching the show, they said, do I get extra points for going through Kevin Bacon? I think you do. A couple more, a couple more points added on to that by getting, going through the originator. Ad Pop Culture Review uh, says, taking a fun trip with this. Keanu was in The Matrix with Fishburne, who was in Man of Steel with Costner, who was in Waterworld with Gian Triple Thorn, Mike. Triple Horn, rather, who was in Big Love with Robert Patrick, two episodes, who was in Terminator 2 with Linda Hamilton, who was in two episodes of Frasier with Eddie. Frasier is on this new channel over here called Cozy TV or Antenna TV. I don't okay. remember. It's one of those like flashback channels. You but still now, watch TV? Oh yeah, all the time. And it's like, it's perfect for people like me because it's just old show. It's like old TV land. It's just old retro shows that are running every half hour and it's sometimes like they do random marathons. TV land for 30 and 40 year olds. Exactly. <laughs> I'm nesting comfortably into retirement is what I'm saying. But they do like marathons of Frasier every night. So I've been watching it. I've been doing what you did last year recently. Black girls do stuff too at BLK Okay, girls do stuff. Okay, I think I got it. Eddie the Dog was with Kelsey Grammer in Frasier, of course, who was in X-Men with Holly Berry, who was in John Wick 3 with Keanu Reeves. She was so Bing, good. Big bang, boom. She was so good in John Wick Chapter 3. That fight scene might have been the greatest ever. And, good. Uh, yeah, bing, bang, boom, right there. I think that might have been the quickest one of the week, too. Now, I had pe- this one pegged as a probable winner, but we got some... Great entries this week. <laughs> Captain Magnifico, comma Spacecom, at Dr. Underscore, underscore Magnifico, says Keanu Reeves was in Point Break. Yes. Dude, with Utah. Pat- Patrick Swayze, who was in Red Dawn with Jennifer Grey. Wolverines! Whose dad, Joel Grey, was in Chicago on Broadway with B.B. Newworth who is Lilith oh. on Frasier with Eddie Slash. No, I Lewis. like that. Yes, that's the winner. That's very that's creative right. going through Lilith, <laughs> one of the most uh, acclaimed antagonists in television history, I think. Jennifer Grey and her father <laughs> from Dirty Dancing. I hope that's the, I hope her real father, who was in Chicago, no, that can't work because he... <laughs> 
Of course he's a dancer. He was in Chicago. <laughs> that, that's terrible. Going off the beaten path, too. Going off television through Broadway, getting to Frasier, uh, the dog there. That was very creative. Yes, Captain Magnifico of Spacecom, of course, the winner this week. Congratulations. You are all things Six Degrees MMO champion. You get to sit on whatever our version of the Iron Throne is this week. I guess it'd just be like, instead of a bunch of swords, it just was like one giant hashtag. It's just like an Oscar trophy's bottom that we like stole <laughs> from a party and just we a ripped pedestal. off the trophy. Yeah. yeah. And just sit on that. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I really want characters in the movies to be that way in real life too. Like I just wanted Jennifer Grey's parents to be like the dirty dancing parents. And <laughs> I'm just such a weird is, person. Yeah. But we got a challenge for next week. What do we got? Mike. Beanie Feldstein's got to be in it. She's in the movie Booksmart. Yeah. We've been raving about her from Lady Bird all the way up to now. And we got to go into the French Riviera to find the new <laughs> toast of that town. Right now, it's Dexter Fletcher. The The reviews for Rocket Man Very high. with Taron Edgerton are just, just super high. They're raves. And our Colby Max at 9 out of 10. Everybody's going nuts yeah. for it. Dexter Fletcher was the guy who saved Bohemian Rhapsody from a nightmare with all those controversies yeah. into a best picture contender. He is the director. He's also an actor who's in Snatch and Lockstock and stuff like that. Beanie Feldstein to Dexter Fletcher. That is your challenge for it's this It's going to be a fascinating case study, too, to see the, the Oscar odds of anything from Rocketman, whether it's directorial, whether it's performance-based, whatever, compared to how Bohemian Rhapsody was just embraced last year in the box office and in the zeitgeist, riding that wave of pop culture momentum to Oscar wins, which really blew a lot of our minds. So we'll see if Dexter Fletcher can kind of repeat there and see what happens. But yes, he's in the new uh, Six Degrees of MMO Challenge. We also had a couple MMO asks this week, Mike. Yeah, a few fun Twitter questions. I asked one, compared Pixar characters to the cast of Game of Thrones. Colby Mack... <laughs> Dominated like, this. He dominated. He had like <laughs> ten great ones. Uh, my favorite is Sid from Toy Story and Ramsey Bolton, which is funny. Also, he said Walder Frey and the Lots of Hug and Bear yeah. from Toy Story. That 3. I thought might have been the best one. Uh, looking back on it, Matt Neglia, our buddy from Next Best Picture, jumped in and said Doug the Dog from Up to Ghost. Uh, and on a loyalty level, I could not agree more. Yes, I think that's very proper. <laughs> Wreck It Ralph to Hodor was pretty great by Two Views Movies, their podcast. I like that, even. though no, it's disqualified on a technicality <laughs> because it's Disney animation, but I know a lot of the same, like Lasseter and company, they're running both yeah. ships, but they're both huge and thoroughly adorable and lovable men there, so I love that. The Top 5 for Fighting podcast, at Top 5, number 5 for Fighting, uh, says Jon Snow to Woody. Uh, what do you think about that? It's bold. Yeah. And I like both characters equally, and they're both stubborn and willful, and I root for them. Yeah, I think that's a fair... I mean, if you're anyone's going to be Woody in the Game of Thrones universe... Don't tell me if Jon Snow's stubbornness put an end to him. <laughs> Don't tell me yet. Audrey Ratajak, to finish things up, said, The Hound and Arya to Sully and Boo from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> I thought so, that was perfect. That's so heartwarming. Oh, perfect. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. So nice. Great job. Another MMO ass this week. <laughs> the Angel Has Fallen poster came out. Yeah. Beyond my wildest imagination that this franchise is a trilogy now, but President uh, Morgan Freeman won't die, apparently, and uh, Secret Service agent Gerard Butler is going to keep saving him. So we have Angel Has Fallen, and we just wanted, like last time, uh, make a fake tagline for the movie. We had I love how you wrote wrong answers only. Of course, only wrong answers. We're not interested. <laughs> We're not going to probably review this movie. Maybe we will. I don't know, but uh, most likely not. Carolina, uh, at 
C-A-R-O-L-I-N-N-A-T-A-S. Angel has fallen because you keep hiring Gerard Butler as a bodyguard. <laughs> that trailer's ridiculous. Are those birds? They're drones! <laughs> <laughs> Geeks and Marriage Podcast says, quote, Angel's Fallen, yes, another code name. <laughs> Love that. Nolan Roberts at Nolan Roberts 17. Angel has fallen. So much for the Buffy reboot. There was so much Buffy love on these uh, suggestions here. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I like that, that a lot. I like that a lot. Uh, Paul the Saints fan at Paul <laughs> Elliott underscore 316 says, Angel has fallen. And he can't get up. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> I cannot believe that franchise is coming out with a third movie, but hey, it's making money. If you look at the box office for those, as we transition into a box office, those have made like over half a billion dollars, I think, between the two of them or it's something crazy. like that. It's insanity. That's why you're getting a trillion. Yeah. So uh, that is our audience interaction. Now we got a box office update, Mike. John Wick 3 finally knocks off Avengers Endgame off its perch. A $57 million opening. That thing's probably going to end up doing about 200 and some odd domestically million, as most people that most movie films that open around the $60 million mark tend to do. Yeah. Endgame still did well for itself. Another $30 million domestically, another almost $50 million, which is about what we projected last week talking right. about this. It did knock off Avatar as the second highest domestic money-making movie of all time. It's not going to catch Not Force close. Awakens. And so, I don't remember who had this. Maybe it was Kevin Jacobson. I don't really remember. But 930-some-odd million that The Force Awakens did domestically? Yeah. How is that possible if this movie couldn't sniff it? It's it's ridiculous. It's just, yeah, Americans love their Star Wars so much. Everybody that saw that movie, that saw The Force Awakens, it, like to a person, right down to every... They had to have seen it at least twice. Every single That's person. That's another thing, too. Like they it, must have. They, they, they love the fact that it was, all right, we have a Star Wars movie, and it's good. Uh, yeah. yeah. What you want about it, but it, it's it's well made, and let's see it a couple times. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Detective Pikachu, me helping this movie, 24.8 million, 94 domestic, 112 international, 206.4 worldwide total now. Pretty sure that had, that had something like a uh, over $100 million production budget, didn't it, Detective Pikachu? I'm not positive. Yeah, it had 150 as we use the magic of editing. So that's going to be tough to make money for. 206 after two weeks, right? Yeah, it's going to... Well, it'll do it, but it's not going to be the money earner they thought. Like They thought they were going to have Jigglypuff the... Uh, well, both of us thought that was going to be the one that knocks off Endgame. And right. it, it fell... Sh I mean, falling short of Endgame on the opening, on Endgame's second week, was kind of shocking. If right. you're talking about the first live-action Pokemon movie. Anyway, A Dog's Journey made $8 million. Stop making this movie. Yeah. I don't want to see it. You. Shame on you. <laughs> I don't want to see the commercials for it. Stop the it. Commercials get me yeah. wound up. They get me wound up. Like, who are these movies for, by the way? Like, if you own a dog, right, you know the heartbreak that Just comes like at some point with that dog. People petting their hairless cats. <laughs> Good. Die. Right. <laughs> die and reincarnate and this, make this, people This sad. can't be for dog fans. How dare you, Hollywood? Cat people are screaming at me in their cars now. <laughs> and the hustle made six million. Uh, interesting cumulatives, though. They have 23 domestic, 13 international, 36 million worldwide. I mean, that's not terrible. I mean, it's not great, but... No, I, I think it should be it should be kind of happy with that with the numbers that it did. Thirty million dollar budget, thirty six million so far in its theatrical run, which I'll be honest is more than I expected this to make in the age of Pikachu, John Wick three, and right. Endgame. But on its way to making money, so uh, good for Perhaps. Robert Wilson and Anna Hathaway. Maybe yeah, it's got a chance. Let's uh, let's pivot into some trailer thoughts from this week. Trailer thoughts. 
few big trailers, Mike. We're going to start with Ari Aster's latest. I'm literally cringing throughout Midsummer's trailer too. This entire thing, I just like rattles me to the core, yeah. and it's not even showing anything that scary in this follow-up to the first trailer. The first trailer had some wilder images. There's some like one-off, some quick cut shots quick. of disturbing yeah. images, but. You fuck Ari Aster, honestly. Like, it's so... You can't be this good as a horror director this early in your career. Oh, He's such a master out. of disorientation. The cinematography of some of these shots, how you're going... You don't have a ceiling. You're just following Florence Pugh's character from a ceiling shot right. from one room into another. Awesome. She ends up in an airplane bathroom from a living room situation. And Mike, the under going under that banner... Oh, it was that so... freaked me out. Upside down and back... And it's not... Like, he's not doing anything, like you said. You don't really see... There's no blood and gore and guts. There's a couple quick cutscenes of disturbing shit. Animal, but. yeah, and injury, injury and an animal involved. But again, I'm shocked that they're making me feel this uneasy in broad daylight. I'm jealous. I'm very jealous that he's so this good. good at this. Uh, I don't think it matters, because I don't think he has any concern about the Academy at this point with this movie. This movie is going to be a further step away from any kind of Academy recognition than what he had with Hereditary, you would think, right? I mean, Tony Collette at least had the buzz right away from right away. whether it was Sundance or I don't remember which film festival it was. This one, I think, is going to be reserved until the first week of July. And he I don't may think not it's care. Just, I don't think he cares either. He wants to make a great horror movie. Yeah. Let's just make great horror movies. And Florence Pugh, I, I really respect her acting choices so far. You know, yeah. She's just picking one she's really... Intriguing Dope. property after the next, and I think she's going to be one of the uh, up-and-comers and perhaps one of the great ones. I, I could not co-sign that more, and I'm very excited to see what she can put forth in a horror role. Uh, and Very, very excited for Midsummer overall. We also had a latest from Maleficent. So this is her dark turn, right? I mean, the second movie is going to be the one where she actually goes full villain. Did you see the first one? Yes, I did. It was like she was a hero of that. She was a protagonist? Yeah. and it, I didn't see it. You know, she looks like a bad, right. evil witch, but then she's, you know, kind of doing good things. And I'm guessing the third movie is going to be Sleeping Beauty? Like, uh, we're going to... Right, have- I would think. I mean... The- were we introduced to the Sleeping Beauty character in this one? Yeah, right in the, in the last That's, one, really. Was she? I don't. I didn't I see the first one. I don't remember it now. Uh, there's somebody in this preview that. Well, it's Fanning. Looks it's, very yeah. yeah. Ellie Fanning right. is going to be Sleeping Beauty, so this is going to be her turning dark and casting the spell, and then we're going to get Sleeping Beauty, right? Maybe this is the smarter way to go about these Disney live-action remakes, too. Make them their own cinematic universes. Have them build up. Don't just give us Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Give us the Aladdin prequel in a movie and then build up to Aladdin. Don't give us Sleeping Beauty right away. Give us the Maleficent backstory and then build up to it. I mean, it doesn't really matter because whatever they're doing makes money, and they kind of at least in what we are, they're putting forward and what we see, they care more about the money grab than they do about artistic integrity with some of these live action remakes. I don't think that's the case here. This seems to be something that's got legs. It interests me. Uh, they got those Harry Potter Death Eater type things floating in the sky in this preview. There was like a character that had the weirdest look too, like a scary look. Yeah. Like it was like a minion type. Yeah. I was interested. Uh, VFX looks strong. That's per usual for Disney. Angelina Jolie, she's always excellent. And the cheekbones, they don't have to do much with the cheekbones. <laughs> yeah, they put them to a point, but 
they don't have to. Do I'm that. down with seeing her go full bad guy too, Angelina Jolie. It's been a while since she was like ruthless. I'm intrigued. Now the last movie wasn't great, and I know I know some Polarized people like reviews. it. It yeah. was fine. I mean, it was interesting. So we'll I see. Think it was a 7.0 on IMDb, but a 40 something Metascore overall. Yeah, I think so you're right. Lean into her going dark, and let's see. Let's make it Sleeping Beauty happen. Yeah, and Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be the good guy. It looks like against Angelina Jolie's bad. All right, I'm down. Let's go. Let's see both of them go at each other. Yeah. I'm interested. All right, so that's a high note from Disney. Aladdin <laughs> came out with Friend Like Me. All right, well, listen. The Prince Ali clip on this YouTube video leads into the new TV spots. Now, I watching TV... Or Prince watching, Ali, I'm sorry, not Friend Like Me. Yes, right. you're right. Watching the new TV spot during a basketball game, I was just, just cringing and just almost having, like, Tourette's. <laughs> so, Mike, I watched this expecting to hate it. I do really love this song. Will Smith is talented. He's not in his genie, obviously blue. Mm-hmm. So I, the colors don't bother me as much in a like a parade setting. Right. If there's colors should be Looney Tunes in a parade setting. So it actually worked a bit for me in, in this little clip of the song. I love that song. What doesn't work is the following TV spots because I remember something that happened in the cartoon in the movie. Like Aladdin is a great looking actor, Mena Masood. Mina Masood, sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. He's got a distinctive-looking face and voice. Mm-hmm. Is Jasmine blind and deaf? <laughs> How does she not immediately recognize the Prince Superman Ali? How is she fooled? The one time she leaves her captivity it's as just a Superman in this pair of glasses. How do you guys not see this? The <laughs> molecular man. <laughs> With Conan does the parody on that. Mike, her one standout memory when she goes out of the castle is when she meets Aladdin and then she doesn't recognize the same face and the same voice. This looks like pure, unadulterated (laughs) shit. I'm so upset. (laughs) I try not to come down hard on movies. This looks frighteningly bad. If you were the head of marketing for Disney and you heard all the feedback about when the first time you revealed Will Smith as the genie, right? And it was resoundingly negative. Mm Mm-hmm. Wouldn't the next thing you put out in terms of marketing be something that you're sure is going to be a hit? I think based on the fact that everybody loves this movie, they thought, oh, this can't miss, right? And then you actually get into the weeds, right? Jafar is unadaptable. He's just that cartoon. You can't... Especially because his body structure plays into it. Like, he's this frail... Seven foot tall, frail guy right. in the cartoon. You're not going to find that in real life. You can't find it. It's no. just there's no body type like that. Then you have the genie played by Robin Williams, who just died. Yeah. How do you follow that up? Nobody can. And so you go with Will Smith. Okay, he's a very charismatic, very right. like an incredibly talented person. So Ugh. the blue looks terrible. It doesn't when, look good. So do you? cheat and make the genie not the genie for the majority of this movie you're just going to have will smith on screen as he looks to be in this prince ali clip and even if you do that's going to cheapen what people go to see aladdin for because the whole draw of aladdin like yes it's a nice love story the whole draw of the movie is the genie i will say the music sounds really good sure i I still it's disney i still say at the very least we're gonna we're gonna see this movie at some point and we're gonna enjoy the music so that's where, that's my lone, 
you know, holding to it. Yeah, that's my lone foothold. Yeah, I, I, you're not wrong there. God willing, I mean, we've heard the adaptation of Friend Like Me in one of the previews, and it sounded great. Prince Ali sounds great. I just, I keep going back to. I would want, after the blowback of seeing Will Smith in Blue, the number one thing I would want to do is is pick something I know is going to at least try to win some people back from that side of the argument, right? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna release something that I know is a hit. And they come it's out just, with this. It feels like Guy Ritchie's a mercenary here uh, as a director. Yeah, it feels like it doesn't. Even, it, I don't see his imprint anywhere. By the way, right? I, I mean, do you? Does no. this feel like a Guy Ritchie movie at all? No, unless they have a slow motion fight scene between <laughs> Jafar, where they with get a cockneyed accent. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, no, I, I don't see it at all. And the colors really don't work in the rest of the trailers, and the effects don't work. And this, the whole point of doing this is to reintroduce the characters to a new audience with new visuals, with new technology that's able, and yeah. it just looks bad. Uh, worried, very worried, worried. I think is the MMO stance for Aladdin. Uh, I'm as worried a, too. as a beloved. Uh, I'm worried. Uh, childhood property of ours to see that adapt adapted into real life but we're going to move on from those three trailers we will wrap this episode up talking about stuff that we do or don't care about segment of MMO Weekly. This is where we take other news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start off every Do You Care segment is I question my dear friend Michael here about the upcoming releases this week. And this week, Mike, in theaters, we have The Tomorrow Man, which is coming out limited. We have three going big nationwide this week. We just talked about one of them, probably the biggest, Aladdin, Booksmart, and Brightburn, all three of which are going wide nationwide. Do we care about any of those? I care about those last three because I think I'm going to see him at some point because Brightburn got a lot of great buzz from the film festivals. It's at least a unique story. Booksmart seems fun, right, in the trailers. It's getting great reviews. And Aladdin is something, like I said, music should be good. Tomorrow Man, 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not looking... I mean, a John Lithgow movie, I don't think so. Noble Jones, maybe. We'll see. But those last three could be... I mean, it's boom or bust. It's hit or miss, right? Are you still most excited to see Aladdin of those three? No, I'm, I'm more about Beanie Feldstein yeah. right now. Let's That's make kind her of how a star. I feel, too. Let's make Caitlin Dever a star. How sad is that? Can you imagine in January if we were having this conversation? We, we We'd want to see Olivia Wilde's directorial debut over the live-action adaptation of Aladdin? I'm shocked. I agree. I mean, that's no. That's obviously no slight on Olivia Wilde at all. Book but. smart is... Easily the safest bet. Yeah, I agree. Easily. Which is nuts if we were to talk about this a couple months ago. And I'm not high on those recent trailers of Brightburn. I'm just not There's enough to be quite... Brightburn, you know, if Brightburn fails, it's going to fail because it's weird. You know? I'm still intrigued at the fact that you got a superhero origin story spun as a horror film. Yeah. It's I'm a it's 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 un that. it's nothing that's been done before. Right. Right? So it could be weird, it could be the test balloon. Maybe there's a genre here, who knows? If there's not, it's gonna fail. No big deal. If Aladdin fails, that is a spectacular failure. Spectacular. So <laughs> good point. Mike, we have a new Batman, Battinson Patman. <laughs> I know the ringer was arguing about this. Battinson Patman, I like that. I don't know which one you like more, <laughs> Battinson or Patman. I like it as like a name, a full name. <laughs> Battinson, comma Patman. <laughs> All right, it's Robert Pattinson yeah. from Twilight. Oh, is he? Is he from Twilight? Did the internet not say that enough? Been some blowback. <laughs> what has? You... Wait a minute. Has there? 
Has there actually been blowback or have there been a lot of people on their righteous horses yeah. that are quick to say, if you say he's the guy from Twilight, you don't know movies. Is anybody actually saying this is the guy from Twilight? How dare they cast this? Have you seen this? I have seen this. Have you? I have. And All right. I, I, I'm an idiot then. But no, I think, uh, I think as film critics, we really dig indie film. Sure, of course. So, and we dig like all our favorite directors. So he's just bounced around from Cronenberg to Claire Denis to the Safdie brothers. Yes, as for a few highlights, and we like these movies as hidden gems as movie critics, and we want to share them with the world. So I, I, I heard you getting on. It's such a fake outrage. It's such a fake outrage. I don't think it's fake. I think it's the fact that we want to like these smaller movies and. Robert Pattinson's been a hero of these smaller movies lately. Amongst the, the the brands that we interact with and the movie people that we talk to on film Twitter and all that, everybody knows Robert Pattinson's a fine actor. Right. Of, those, of that group. Film Twitter, everybody knows that, right? And these were also some of the first people that were like, I don't want to talk to you if you say he's just a guy from... You know he's going to be good. We're all fans of this casting, right? Like, are you not excited to see him play Bruce Wayne? I am. I'm yeah, totally of course. We're watching so, the last ten years of Robert Pattinson. I mean, I don't know who we're defending this against, other than Twilight fangirls, it's maybe. Like the village where they're—I don't know—where they shooting stuff into the woods and you can't see the monsters. <laughs> I think there's a Game of Thrones where you're like, oh shit, they're shooting arrows into the—we can't see the monsters. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, sure. That's a fine analogy. But I, don't, I, I definitely seen some things in the. I listen right, to the podcast. I mean, I, the I've banger. tried. I've tried seeking this out. I don't think the outrage is nearly as big. As everybody thinks, wants it so to be. Do you just think we all want to just go through his filmography? And I think there is a righteous indignation culture amongst some film critics. Uh, not, no. I mean, we we take part of it too, <laughs> as much as anybody. But I think there's this this big rush to to show how smart and wise you are. Are you picturing me literally deleting my tweet about <laughs> Robert Pattinson's great career of late while you put out your tweet first? Yes. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Uh, Mike, the new Star Wars film, it's been revealed, coming out in 2022, and it will be from our old friends David Benioff and D.B. Weiss of Game of Thrones fan. This has had some outrage that I've seen. What are your thoughts? I just don't like the fact that they're lashing out against the fans lately there's like because they're, they're talking about game of thrones fandom and how it used to be on such a high level and then like the level drop like why would they do that it's such dumb pr do they think they're untouchable do they think they're just on they're on another level themselves that they can just go at the fans like if the fans don't like something just take it dude so you're, you're saying in that you're you're damning benioff and weiss's response to the criticism well i think they're getting a lot of heat right now based on Game of Thrones, which George R.R. R. Martin told them the endings of. So th- there's no way that the endings right now are different than George R.R. R. Martin. And if George R.R. R. Martin writes something different, it's because of this blowback, oh, and, wow. I, and it's because of these controversies, and I stand by that. He will change that after the fact. He'll take it to his grave. He'll never tell us, but I believe wow. this. Wow, all right. So I didn't think we'd talk about Game of Thrones today, but I think, <laughs> yeah, I think the, all the... The nonsense with Benioff and Weiss getting the next film is because of the Game of Thrones backlash. I like the fact that they are going to wait a while, 
let these guys come up with their spin on it, and then you're going to have a while between each next film. Yeah. You got 2022, 2024, 20. I mean, this makes sense to me. Are you more invested as a Game of Thrones fan, or are you more invested as a Star Wars fan? Which franchise this appeals more to you? Oh, that's tough. It's tough to a- answer now with I, the Game of Thrones finale tonight. I, I've been more passionate about Game of Thrones, okay. no question. I, I'm just curious about that because you know, there's a lot of fans I'm sure that share that reality that that share those two worlds and. There are a lot of them out there that think the reflection of season eight of Game of Thrones is a direct indicator of the next Star Wars trilogy from these two guys going to be garbage. It's just a big question of late, right? Do we love what we love more than we hate what we hated about it? That's deep. Do you you forgive a movie its flaws? Do you forgive... There are flaws in Game of Thrones season eight. There are just absolute flaws with it. it, But it's another... It's impossible to write that show. It is impossible to write that show for eight years. I'm sure George... I know they did an SNL thing where he was like playing with dolls and trying to tell all the Game of Thrones and we're writing it down, you know, rigorously. Right. Like, then you have bra, and then you have <laughs> I think George told them some endings, but George hasn't worked out. You know, you know, like how I call him George, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> part of, I'm, I'm part of his team. But G Money has been <laughs> Double R has not worked out exactly how he's Jerry Rava Martin. <laughs> he hasn't worked it all out yet. That's why he's taking so long to write it. That's why. Uh, that's why to have David and Dan figure it out to the nth degree in a TV show that they're just staring down the barrel of production on. And they had a writing time, and they did their best with it, and there's flaws to the story, no question. So we're going to have George able to sit with each one of these stories for six, seven years and figure it out to a T. That's what makes those books so good. That's why I can't wait to read the next book. We have, uh, this actually just jarred something in my mind about the Pattinson backlash that I read this morning, how there's that famous uh, petition out there on change.org against Benny Offenweiss to rewrite Game of Thrones, which has like a half a million signatures. I did see a story of a couple coming out this morning as well to recast Batman against Robert Pattinson, so I guess there are some fanboys out there that do have some... uh, Keep making petitions on change.org. They're really effective. Next story. <laughs> Mike Chris Rock is rebooting Saul. Yeah, he's rebooting it with Lionsgate and Twisted Fuck Pictures. Yeah, let's do it. Tell Why me not? Let talented people do talented shit. Uh, you can't say there isn't a great story in Saw. It's obviously made a shitload of money over the span of ninety-seven pictures, I think. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I don't. You, you also can't. It's tough to say that. Chris Rock probably isn't inspired by what Jordan Peele has done in the horror space here. Mm-hmm. A, very, a, a very comedic wunderkind that's going into spreading his wings into horror. He sounds like he wants nothing to do other than present the ideas. He doesn't sound like he's going to direct. Doesn't sound like he's going to write. He's going to produce the thing. Why not? What's wrong with this? If, if talented people want to try talented shit, I think they've earned it. I mean, Chris Rock's directed Head of State, I Think I Love My Wife, Top Five. He's directed three feature films already. You know, he's directed comedy specials like Amy Schumer Live at the Apollo. The man has a directing resume. And it was funny because I was listening to Jesselnick, Anthony Jesselnick, talk to Bill Simmons, and he was, like, talking to Chris Rock. And, like, Chris, have you written your next comedy special yet? And Chris Rock's like, no, nah, man, I'm too happy. Yeah, so what, I heard that. What do you write when you're too happy? <laughs> you write a horror film. Yeah. So that's great. And that's that, That's what he should be doing artistically. It makes so much sense. I'm rooting for this one. The Deadline like article said that he was uh, he wants to rewrite the Saw franchise and reinvent the Saw franchise in the same way Eddie Murphy reinvented the Buddy Cop movie with 48 Hours. Yeah. So he's got some high, high praise and high esteem for himself. 
I, I, I can't say it any other way. He's talented. He's proven more than I mean, enough. He's gotten genius, the benefit, yeah. benefit of the doubt. He's a genius, like you say. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on board for this. Can't wait. Uh, let's wrap this up. The last one, Michael. There is a Back to the Future musical. What do we think about this? I'm really hoping they do an entire song about Marty not hooking up with his mom. <laughs> Don't have sex with your mom. Can Mel Brooks write this, please? Is that the actual, the, that's the chorus line? That would be the opening line of the chorus for that? You, you gotta hook her up with that nerdy people guy. Clapping. Don't have sex with your mom. I thought way too much about this. I've seen a lot of musicals, like obviously we reported on the Alien one a bunch. For right. High School did. This Back to the Future one exists. I just saw somebody on Twitter yesterday going to a, a, a musical performance of The Terminator, which I guess exists i like that we're in this age now where the people are just adapting these long-standing hollywood productions please do it for comedy don't do it seriously do it for comedy broadway and we might actually go i know we're moving yeah why not i i I would love to. I, I would absolutely go see a Terminator or an Alien uh, musical. Or a Back to the Future one. I, I have to watch the movies. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I, that's I, right. It's my, like the Larry Flubber. Big stain on my resume. Oh, I've not God. I do own it right there. I have Is it because it's about time travel and you got in one time travel? Did you lose <laughs> one? I can't handle it. This is what happened, folks. I'm going to tell you. This is getting inside Mike one. He lost the time travel debate one time to one guy who pissed him off. And now forever you do not watch time travel I movies. I didn't lose a tra- time travel debate no, because you, you can't lose a time travel debate because it's not real. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, that is the story of this week that is setting you up for the week to come, the Hollywood Weird, we're Holly Weird week to come. And we got to know, obviously, want to hear your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns about these stories or anything else we've done in the zeitgeist and timeline lately for MMO. You can reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, tune in, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. You'll see our smiling faces waving back at you. Uh, also, if you can leave us a review on iTunes, that would really help us out a lot. Uh, Michael, let him know what's coming next. Look at him some final words of wisdom. Wrap him up here. So whatever happened on last night's Game of Thrones, we're recording this Sunday yes. afternoon. We're going to have our own Game of Thrones episode coming next, like you said. Whatever happened, I send you a hug through the airwaves. If it was bad, I hug you. If it was good, let's hug it out. Does John die? I, do I think he died? Yeah, yeah I die? think he's too yeah. stubborn to live. All right. He's too stubborn to live, but <laughs> I don't know what will happen. We'll break it all down for you. may have just given this episode its, uh, its title. He's too stubborn to live. <laughs> all right. Those are your final words of wisdom as well? Yeah, let's all hug. All right. We hug, can hug. Let's be happy. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, uh, come watch movies with us. We are trying to take out the stuffiness of award season and make it year-round. And we will see you all next time. See you.